been, uh, we've uh, been through a worship sermon series recently, and one of the big questions that was constantly asked throughout the whole sermon series was, whom shall I serve? Whom shall I serve? And uh, it's not a question a lot of people ask, uh, I guess, in normal ways of living or, or, or cycles of living. Whom shall I ask? Who's, whom shall I serve? Uh, uh, that it's something that uh, we, we had to answer. I, hopefully you answered that over the last few months. You know, is, is it myself that I serve? Am, am I the God on the throne? Um, is it some, some man-made God, some idol that uh, is, is pushed upon us by our culture, our society? Or do I serve the living God? Do I serve Him and glorify Him and, and, and honor Him? Uh, and, and again, not many people, I guess, are asking that question. Most times today, the question is, is what, 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 what about my life? How am I going to live my life? What, what's the best life I can have? What, how am I going to get happiness? Uh, that seems to be, those kind of questions are, are the ones that really come to us. How shall I live? You know, uh, for success or, or joy or, or peace or, or, or you know, get, get, get a lot of stuff. How shall I live the best life to get the best ends and the best outcomes? Uh, so people, maybe you're asking those kind of questions today too. So I, I wanted to bring you to this text today and, and see um, this young girl, how she um, has to wrestle with this question, how shall she live? Um, what, what kind of life should we live in the presence of the Lord God Almighty, uh, in the presence of, of this life that he's given us, uh, in his presence? So if you'd open your Bibles, please, to uh, the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Verse 28, how shall we live? Given the reality of God, given the reality of this short life, given the reality of, of the ways we see around us where people aren't living well and they're not seeing good consequences or outcomes, how shall we live? Uh, verse 26, the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and we call the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
what a moment, what a time in history, uh, uh, an amazing moment from an angel from the realms of glory came down and visited a young girl. Uh, she could have been as young as 12 uh, when she got betrothed. Life was short back in the day, and uh, they didn't waste any time getting married. Probably 13, 14 years old. Uh, I don't think she was really asking the question, what am I going to do with my life? You know, uh, that's a question for moderns, you know, when we have so many options and we're put under such pressure to choose the best life possible. People on social media always showing us their best life, you know. They don't show us the ugly parts of their life, but they show us the best life, and you too should be living the best life, right? And it's in our face all the time, all the marketers and all the advertisers trying to sell us stuff saying, if you only had this product, you could have the best life. If you only had this kind of toothpaste, man, your life would be changed forever. Right? We hear that all the time. It comes at us 24-7. And so we ask those questions. How should I live my life? How do I want to live the best life possible? How do I get the most out of this life? The most happiness, the most joy. But really back here in Nazareth, some 2,000, you know, 25 years ago or something like that, um, no electricity. In the, imagine where she's living, the place she's living. No electricity uh, no phones, no, no news, no, no newspapers. I mean, your existence is probably day by day pretty mundane and pretty like, okay, chores again. What are we going to do tomorrow? Chores. What are we going to do the next day? Chores. And the future, thinking about the future, I mean, she didn't have this option and that option, and she didn't have to choose from 52 options like we do. Probably the man she was going to marry, Joseph, she just knew that she was going to live a very similar life to his family, the way they lived. She, he was going to be, she was going to be born in, uh, married into a carpenter's family, a mason's family. And, uh, you know, she did what she was going to do all the rest of her life. Um, she didn't have to worry about the questions we were about. I, I feel so, so uh, sometimes feel so bad for some of our youth, the way they're put under, under such pressure. They're put under such pressure to have to know the future, to have to line out their future, and, and they don't know. So, a very peaceful scene, I guess, when the angel comes. And the angel comes, and, uh, you know, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13 tells us that, uh, man, we better practice hospitality because we don't know whenever we're going to entertain angels, welcoming strangers into our midst. We don't know when they're here. Could be here some today. Don't volunteer yourself as an angel. But uh, uh, some, most of the time in the Bible, when people see angels, it's like fear and falling on your face, right? Uh, but this angel, Gabriel, uh, he gave his name earlier when he was talking to Zechariah. Uh, he was back in the book of Daniel. You know, apparently angels, once they're created, they're immortal. He's been around for a long, long time. He comes and he visits her, and he's very gracious to her. He says, don't be afraid, Mary. You know, like... Yeah, I know I'm holy, I'm all that, you know. He's all angel-like. Don't go there, Mary. Don't be afraid. It's okay. It's okay, Mary. Uh, you're favored. Favored woman. Favored woman. What, what a neat thing to say, right? What, what a blessing. Uh, and, and he says it a little even later, you've been favored by God. Now, we have to stop there and pause because, uh, boy, this has been filled with a lot of legend and myth over the years. 
It started with, uh, in, the, in the fourth century, the Latin Vulgate translation of the Bible. Translating from Greek to Latin, the uh, St. Jerome back in the day, he came up with a translation that said, Hail, Mary, full of grace, right? And, and it's so distant from the context, and, and no translation since then has, has got close to that interpretation. Hail, Mary, full of grace, as if she's full of grace, where in the context, obviously, she's a recipient of grace. She's been graced. She's been favored by God. And so the favoring part is not that she earned the right to have the baby, that she was good enough or holy enough in her 13 or 14 years to arrive to have the Son of God. She um, came to this place by God's grace and God's grace alone. Right? But over the years, this legend, this myth has arisen that somehow Mary was a superwoman or a, a demigoddess or something like that, that she was a dispenser of grace. Like she was full of grace and she dispensed grace to people. And unfortunately, through the centuries, millions and millions have prayed to her, seeking what only God could give. She's this, this gal just like us, growing up in a village, growing up with a family that was imperfect. You know, one of the things that's come up over the years that, that uh, the legend and myth, as it were, uh, that she was conceived without sin and then she lived her whole life in a sinless way. We get nothing like that from the Bible. She's just like us. She has her problems. She's dreaming about marriage. She's thinking about her future. She's, she's worried about her acne, maybe. I don't know if they had mirrors in her, in her village, so maybe she didn't worry about acne. But she's here, this, this little girl, this young girl who's turning into a woman soon. She gets a visit from an angel. And she does handle it well. She handles it very well, in fact. That's why we remember her, and that's why we celebrate her. Not because she's full of grace or some superstar or something like that, in terms of like she's on a, on a higher level than us, a saint, uh, beyond saints, a goddess. No, nothing like that. You read through the passage, and Gabriel comes, and he says, Hey, uh, the plan of God is this. And, and wouldn't we like to know the plan of God sometimes? Wouldn't we like to know, like, God, just tell me what six months is going to look like. <laughs> so I could make my business go like this, or I could you know, have my kids do this, or whatever. We'd like to know the future. But So Mary is, is blessed in a very unique way. Most of us never have this level of detail in our life. But God had a purpose in, in sharing it with her and coming to her this way. Um, she, uh, she, I wish, again, I, there's always a desire in me for more information, like, what was the angel dressed like? Did, did he come in human form? You know, what was his appearance to, to Mary? It's, it's all fascinating, but, but what he said was more important. He said, again, in verse 31, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Uh, Yeshua, Yahweh saves, or Yahweh is salvation. Uh, so it's a very pointed uh, name for Jesus. Uh, you're going to bear a child. You're going you're gonna to bear a child, and uh, you're going to call him Jesus. What a great thing. What a wonderful thing that is. Uh, he's going to be great. He's going to be called the Son of the Most High, and later it says the Son of God. Now that's, uh, again, it's, it's, a deep, it's a deep thing. It's a deep question. Did Mary understand what, what he meant by Son of Most High, Elion, uh, Son of God? 
we don't know, but in the Hebrew culture, the Semitic culture, the way of thinking was uh, uh, Zechariah, the son of Hosea, or whatever. The son is a carbon copy of the father. The qualities of the son, the, the understanding of the belief was, when I call you son of somebody, uh, if you're called a son of wickedness, you have the qualities of wickedness like your father had. Uh, the son of the Most High, the son of God, uh, the angel saying, this one's going to have the qualities of Almighty God. Now, how far she understood that, how far she went with that, we, we don't know. But certainly the next part about what he revealed, she would have understood. Uh, he'll be great, and, and he goes from there in, in, in verse, uh, the second part of that, verse 32, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, certainly she, in growing up in the village she did, the place she did, now, Galilee is a nowhere place. It's, uh, it's about 30 miles by 40 miles, the size of Galilee. It's a small place, about half our valley, I guess. Um, the, the Jewish people in Jerusalem looked down on Galilee. The Romans certainly looked down on Galilee, a bun bunch of hicks. It's a nowhere place, and she's apparently a nowhere gal. Um, but uh, she would have understood that she... Nobody knew her name. Nobody cared about her village. It wasn't a historical village, like something special. But she was going to have the Messiah. She was going to have this, uh, this baby that the Jewish people have been praying for for hundreds and hundreds of years. And the, the astonishing thing, and maybe, again, pondering this, maybe she hadn't talked about it with her dad or hadn't heard about it in the, in the, you know, the teaching she received, but he was going to have David's throne, and it's, it's going to be forever. The promise that God gave David, uh, your, you know, your offspring, forever. His kingdom will know no end. I mean, what kind of a human person could do that? Nobody. So it's some, some, on some level, he's going to be greater than anybody who's ever lived. I mean, imagine, again, you don't have your, 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 your music to listen to, <laughs> your headphones. You don't have a lot of books to read. And you're, so you're going to spend a lot of time thinking and pondering and, and meditating on, you know, chewing things over. Imagine over the, the nine months of pregnancy, how long she chewed on these things. What's this child going to be? God reveals this to her, and it's a beautiful moment. It's a great moment through the messenger, uh, Gabriel. And so part of it is, has already been fulfilled, right? He had, he, had, he did come. He was born. He he was great, uh, probably the most famous person who ever lived, and, and we're still waiting for him to come back. We're still waiting for him, as it says, to rule over Israel, to take uh, the throne of David. So whatever promises were made to the Jewish people in history, they're going to be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Uh, he's going to come and he's going to reign and so we are privileged because we look at all the ways that things have been fulfilled, all the, all the promises that have been fulfilled already, all the things that have accomplished, all the things that were predicted, so many of them already come true, so the rest that are predicted, the prophecies that are still waiting to be fulfilled, they will be fulfilled. And Jesus Christ will have a huge part in that. And so maybe you're worried, you see the news about nuclear war, or you see the news about this or that. We know how the world ends. We know how the world comes about again through the reign of Jesus Christ. He will rule forever. And so take hope in that. Take joy in that. Take peace in that. Uh, all the prognosticators and all the warriors and all the, the fear mongers out there, 
again, I think, trying to sell us to make us watch their shows. I, I think uh, we have great revelation here. The gift of God in giving us revelation, uh, oftentimes we miss out because we don't listen. But Mary is listening. And at this moment, uh, she, she's, got some, she's got some thoughts, of course, uh, but she has one question. Uh, okay, um, it sounds like, Gabriel, I'm going to have a baby soon. I'm going to conceive soon. Uh, tell me how it's going to be done because I'm not married yet. Now, betrothal was uh, like a serious engagement, like a more serious. It's an engagement in our, in our day, but on steroids. You had to do a kind of a legal break to separate from somebody you're betrothed to back in the day. I'm betrothed, but, you know, I, I, I've never been with a man. I've never been sexually active with a man. I, how, how am I going to get pregnant? <laughs> And so she's got a, a, you know, it's a question. It's not, it's not a doubting question. It's like a how question. And Gabriel's very patient with her and, and says, you know what? It's going to be something that God does without the benefit of a man. Even while you're a virgin, you're going to be pregnant. It's going to be a miracle that the Holy Spirit brings about in your life. And I think at that moment she's like, okay. And it's a moment of decision. How will I live my life now? How will, given the knowledge that I know, given the truth that I've received, given the revelation that's been given to me, somehow my life overlaps with the plan of God or the plan of God overlaps or overcomes or takes in my life to the fulfillment of His desires? How shall I live? How shall I be? Uh, Gabriel, again, is very gracious. He says, he says to Mary, hey, if you're troubled with this, if you're, you're not sure, look at your, your relative Elizabeth. Man, remember as you've grown up for, for your whole life, she's been called the barren one, the one that can't have children. And she's in her old age. But guess what? She's in her sixth month now. For nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. He can do all things. Can't he, Mary? Can't he, Mary? So she's come to this point of, of really... She's been given a sign, just like Zechariah was given a sign in the previous passage. She's given a sign to trust in and to believe. And uh, so she comes to this point of decision. How shall I live? How shall I be? How shall I act in this life? And she gives one of the classic lines in all of antiquity and all of history. And again, we, we're not to put Mary down in any way. You know, I think some of the, the legend and myth about her goddess status, you know, we, we need to get rid of that. Um, but when you think about her faithfulness and how she responded to the word of God, she said in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The angel departed from her. Uh, what, what a beautiful moment. And, and, you know, the word for servant there is, it comes from doulos. It, it's the word for slave. For her to say, I am the servant of the Lord, means that she really came to grips with her identity and who God had made her to be. And, and, and it, you know, talking about identity these days, it's kind of a wild journey. Um, again, we're, we're told, you know, you just be you. You just find your own way. You just, whatever feels right for you, you go that way. You, you travel that path, you, you don't let anybody conform you to their images of what's right or wrong. You know, that's what we hear all the time today. It's what's in your gut, what's in your heart. You do whatever you want, and, and it gets so old and so tiring because we're in God's world. He's the Lord of all. 
we have been made, we are the sheep of his pastor, as it were. We're, we're, the, we're the creations of the Lord God Almighty. He's made us for himself. Um, we've been made to glorify him and serve him and, and honor him. And so, so Mary comes to this point where she's looking at herself, and, and I don't know if she had a real choice here. I mean, God's plan, it, it, it's contingent on Mary having this baby. <laughs> so if, if Mary would have said, Hey, you know, I've, I've heard your offer, and I, I regretfully have to decline. Uh, come see me in two years, and we'll talk again. Thank you. I, I, don't, I don't think it would have went like that. You know, um, she, could, could she have said no? I don't know, but, but God in his grace, the way he comes to her, gives her a chance to respond. And she says, Maybe I have these, these, these fears, you know, like, is Joseph going to leave me? Is, is the village going to hate me because they think I'm a harlot? Um, are my, my parents going to send me away? Or, you know, are they going to treat me poorly? I don't know, but all I, all I do know is God reigns, and he's the Lord. So in a true servant fashion, she responds in a very passive way. May all that you've said to me, Gabriel, on behalf of the Lord, may it be done to me. May it be as you have said. And so she's saying, I accept. And she said, I, I am a servant of the Lord. <clears throat> it's this, this moment where she says, how am I going to live? How, how am I going to go through this life? I'm going I'm to be a servant. I'm going to be a servant of the Most High God. Could there be any, any better job, so to speak? Could there be any higher calling? Could there be any more important vocation than being a servant of the Most High? Now, Mary would grow up, and she'd get married again. She'd have the baby. You know, she'd go through it. She'd have to work every day still. You know, the vocation of, of Joseph, the carpentry shop, the, the masonry work he did, how hard would that be? She'd have to contribute to that. You know, she'd, she'd work, she'd be in vocation, she'd be walking uh, with her husband, and, and, but, but under the banner, under the heading of, I am a servant of the Lord. And you know, you guys, this is something that we're called to as well. How, how are you living your life? How are you processing this life? How are you... Um, organizing your life under what heading? Uh, boy, again, in, in this culture today, and the, the, the way that we're taught and the way we're raised sometimes, the way that we're, it's put to us is it's all about us. We're on the throne. We're, we're the ones who are, are central to the, the way of thinking today, and it's all about how we should live and how we should pleasure ourselves and how we should um, live our life to the full. But Mary says, I, I'm going to be a servant of God. And it reminds me, throughout the Bible, there's so many places. Remember Joshua, uh, as we studied that a few weeks ago? Remember, uh, at the end of his life, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Remember Jesus. Um, there's so many passages that come to mind, but I, I had Sandra put one on there. Uh, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Mark chapter 10, verse 42, and a couple of the guys, James and John, say, said to Jesus, hey, we want to be at your right and your left. We want to be the greatest. <laughs> we want to be your, 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 your men that you know, are, are right under you as your, your best men. 
Verse 42, and Jesus called to them, he called to all the ten, and you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. So talking about the apostles, the leaders of the church, going to become the leaders of the church, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And then there's that word doulos again, slave. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What a beautiful picture of our, of our Savior Jesus, our Lord Jesus. I've, you know, he, 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 he's worthy of all worship. He's worthy of angels singing to him for eternity. And as he comes to us, as he incarnated himself, as he took on flesh, he said, uh, I didn't come here to be served, but to serve. Give my life as a ransom for many. Wow. How, how shall I live my life? If my Lord is living for others and living for the glory of God, how shall I live? Shall I make myself the king? Shall I make myself the CEO? Shall I make myself the boss and make other people serve me? Or shall I be a servant? Now, it's obvious, right? What we're called to be. How shall we live? But there's a, another great scene. And uh, we'll, we'll close here in a moment uh, on, on this. But... Uh, John chapter 13, another great scene of Jesus, and, and see his, his heart, his, his uh, willingness to serve. And uh, he gave an example for us to follow. John chapter 13, verse 2. It's the Passover feast. It's, it's the, the, the time where they're celebrating uh, the ex exodus from Egypt and how that happened. And uh, during the supper when the devil had already put it, uh, chapter 13, verse 2 of John, during the supper when the devil had already put it into his heart, the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Uh, that was the role of a servant, a slave of the house, as it were, back in the day, to wipe the grimy feet of the sandaled guests. Uh, in verse 12 of the same passage, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Uh, for I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Uh, what, what a great scene, like uh, washing feet, the, the symbolism, the, the picture there of, of a lowly servant. And if Jesus is, he says, what I've done for you in giving my life away, what I've done for you in coming to earth and, and serving you uh, with, even with my whole life, giving my, pouring out my blood for you uh, as, as Christians, how shall we live? This, this understanding of uh, I'm going to be serve God uh, primarily through serving people and loving people. And uh, we don't have time today to go into a lot of text on that, but you see what he's calling you to be, to become like him. May it be said of us that we are servants. May you today, as maybe you're wondering about the course of your life, maybe, maybe you're young here today and you are thinking about college, or you're thinking about a trade you're going to go into, or you're thinking about the next step of, of a spouse, or you're thinking about moving there, or, or, or starting a business, or, or what have you, all the, other, all the things that are going on in your life right now, 
<clears throat> couldn't, you, couldn't you put all that stuff under the heading? Shouldn't you put all that stuff under the heading of whatever I do, vocationally or relationally or monetarily, uh, entertainment-wise, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to be a servant of God. I'm going to serve him in that business. I'm going to serve him at school. I'm going to serve him in my family. I'm going to do all things in the name of the Lord. I am a servant of the Lord. I pray that you would say that. I pray that the word of God would convict you of that. I pray that you would move into that lifestyle. The act of worship, of serving the Lord. Luke, would you please come up and... Lord God, we, uh, we humbly ask that you would uh, speak to us personally and, and uh, individually on this matter. And uh, maybe we've caught the virus of, of uh, selfish culture. And maybe we're put on the lenses, the glasses of, of self-centered living that our culture preaches all the time. Maybe we've uh, made it all about us and uh, using people for our own ends instead of following you, Jesus, and, and serving Thank you for Mary's example to us, Lord, and all of her humility and all of her, her weakness and, and smallness in the world's eyes. She was in a giant in her response. When she heard the plan of God to use her life, she didn't hold it, hold it, hold it back. She didn't cling to it, her own life. She willingly gave it away. And that's the best place to be, we know, Lord. Please uh, take, take our hearts, Lord. Take our minds. Take our, our whole life and, and use us for your glory. I am a servant of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.